0: Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zageri.
1: And I'm Kyle J.
0: And today we're going to be talking about 1982 and one of the better films from that year. It's the eighth highest grossing movie from that year. Uh, I wish horror movies could still do that. It's Poltergeist, Toby Hooper directed, a absolute classic, you know, ghost ghost movie here that uh has a lot has a lot behind the scenes. You you know you talk about the Spielberg Hooper stuff, you can talk about just how how revolutionary this movie was for its time it's 40 years old now which is crazy still looks awesome and so bloody entertaining uh i believe it's on hbo max at the moment but i think we all own this movie so that was that was that was easy just popped in the old uh, blu-ray the other day and uh had a blast uh this this movie i know uh connor i've talked to you about it plenty of times i know it's very special to you but uh caleb uh, where do you stand on poltergeist these days
1: uh I really like it. Um as someone who adores the the ground that Texas Chainsaw Massacre walks on. Yeah. Um I recently got my hands on a a VHS copy factory sealed of the original film.
0: That's sick. Um,
1: you know, when I found out that Toby Hooper did this this little movie called Poltergeist with uh, Steven Spielberg um you know producing it. I was like, "Ooh, that's interesting." So I, I remember I, cut, I caught it on TV or I rented it or something, and I was just blown away by this film. The fact that, like, you can tell that this was such a great collaboration between two very distinct individuals, and that there was still plenty of like we expect out Spielberg, especially off his Amlin stuff at that time, but also especially in the scare scenes. To me, very much Toby Hooper. A lot of those scare scenes. Um, yeah. So like really to me showed great uh mat you know, maturation, if you will, of him as a director. Um, and the variety that he was able to pull off, I, I love it. I-, I think it's probably his dare I say maybe second best behind Transform Mask or third behind T C M two. It's hard for me. Those are, like my top three Hooper films is T C M one, two, and this. So I I really like this movie.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's my second favorite for sure. It's hard to pass up a movie like Texas Chainsaw. That that OG one is is something else. Uh, Connor, I, this is like a staple for you, man. Um, we did this on FilmGasm a long time ago, and it'll be cool to bring it to this show and give some awards out to it. Um, I know you're excited, man. And uh, this is this is something I think you watch like at least once or twice a year, right? Yeah, this isn't part of my
2: uh, Halloween
0: rotation. It's
1: one of the
2: earliest horror films I can remember enjoying. Uh, it's been a part of my family for quite some time. My, you know, my mom and my uncle grew up with it. And I just, I I love that this, and e- this and ET came out of the same source. Always yeah. was my mind. Like there was one script that was about like evil aliens attacking a, a house and Spielberg's just like, eh, I don't know about that and cleaved it in two and, got two incredible movies out of it. Only Spielberg could do something that fucking crazy. Um, but it does stand the test of time. It is such a visually stunning movie. It's got a great story. The performances are awesome. And it's so fucking spooky. It is one of, it may be the greatest ghost movie of all time. It's, it's so flawless in the way it executes just a great haunted house story. Mm-hmm. Uh, To me, this is Toby Hooper's masterpiece. I love Texas Chainsaw, but there's something about Poltergeist that just gets in my head every time I watch it. It's eerie. It's fun. It's unpredictable. Even if you've seen it a hundred times, you still can't quite remember when something's about to hit. It's it's perfect. It's an endlessly rewatchable masterpiece.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of versus match is Texas Chainsaw, like nasty, gritty just fucking straight from the heart movie from, from Hooper. And and this one, that's like this really amazing production with Spielberg, obviously very much behind it. Uh, as far as writing goes, the story and the characters and, and then Toby's touch. So I, I've always loved that matchup, you know, um, you know, e- ET being the other like big 1982 movie, like for, for Spielberg is such a, you know, I'm, I'm like a way bigger fan of Poltergeist. Uh, it's such an interesting time for him. He's, He's like at the peak of his powers. Could kind of do whatever he wanted, uh, you know. And and in Poltergeist, you have like fucking endless references to movies, as, you know, from like from lines in the movie to like posters on the wall and toys that the kids have. It's just like a it's like movie heaven for the you know late seventies and eighties. Uh, if you're if you're into that stuff, if you're like a nerd, it's just like perfect for you.
2: Yeah, well, you know, he's obviously paying homage to his buddy George Lucas. There's a shit yep. ton of Star Wars stuff all over this movie. Um, I think that's cute. And I like it.
0: And me too. Me too. It's nice. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think um, you know, we're gonna talk a lot about Poltergeist later. We're gonna give awards out to it. We're gonna look at the three categories it was nominated in. Uh, technical stuff that'll be fun. It's an interesting Oscar year for sure. Uh, so I want to save, you know, a lot of our thoughts about just what it means to us and, and like our favorite, favorite bits of the movie for that conversation. But before we do that, I, I, I asked you guys to prepare, you know, uh, get prepared for another draft. You know, uh, we've we've done a few of these now, and it's always a good time because we surprise each other and learn about each other and also get to kind of uh, go at each other for movies. And that's always fun to kind of try to pick things before the other guy gets it uh, I think this is our third one. Uh, All three of us doing a draft together. Um, You got to have three people, you know, two people is kind of kind of weird. So I think it's perfect when Caleb, when you come in, Caleb, I love doing these kind of projects. All three of us uh, could just talk about movies forever. So the other two times, Caleb, uh, you got the first pick. That's that's not the case today. Uh, Threw the names into a randomizer and Mr. uh, Mr. Connor came up first. So first pick will be Connor. Then Caleb, then myself. I have the last pick again for the third time in a row. Not f- not feeling great about it, but I'm also I'm going to try to you know draft as best as I can. Uh, we're each going to pick four movies from 1982. So uh, Connor, if you you want to start, if you want to talk about 1982 at large a little bit, take sure. it away. I do just real
2: quick. I do love that as the host of this show, you you could easily rig this, but
0: but you don't. It's not my nature. Uh, it's not my nature. I love drafts. I love this kind of stuff. And and you know, I, I yeah, I could be the first pick every time. I I, I can't do that, you know. Because and I've missed out on. Uh, we did a we did a Spielberg draft, and like I lost. I missed out on Jaws and Jurassic Park, and I was like, well, I, I lost, you know. And uh, I believe the other one we did was Zemeckis uh, and Forrest Gump, and Back to the Future went, and I was like, okay, um, you know, I I. I there, with these drafts, we always pick things that are broad enough to where you can still, you know, you can play. Uh, and we do do the snake draft so that I get, I get two picks in a row on the on the turn. I love that, but uh, yeah, you're always going to miss those bangers uh, at the beginning, and that that sucks. In my opinion, there's two movies from this year that like have to get taken pretty quickly, and I'm upset about one of them.
2: Yeah, well, I'm not missing the banger. I am going to snake. The greatest movie of 1982, and that is John Carpenter's The Thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah.
2: That's mine. That's coming home with me. Uh, 82 is a cool year. I believe all these films are uh, celebrating their 40th anniversary. Correct. Uh, And you had some really exciting uh, cult favorites come out in 82, like specifically, you know, just random shit like Blade Runner, Conan the Barbarian, Diner. Halloween three, the King of Comedy, like you had some, some timeless, like beloved films come out this year, and uh, this is going to be an exciting draft to see what you guys consider sacred from this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the '80s just it's like a volcano of of you know of like you said of those kind of those cult favorites. Um, and man, the thing, the thing is just so fucking good, and it's easily my favorite movie from that year. Lately, I've been thinking that it might be my favorite movie from the '80s altogether. Uh, just, uh, it's just like where my that's where my mind's been at with that movie, especially after seeing it in theaters. Um, that was my first time seeing it in theaters last month, and Christ Almighty, just for me, it's Carpenter's masterpiece. And just, just there's not a lot of movies that are
1: better than it. <laughs> yeah, thing is, uh, thing is solid. It's one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah. Um, pretty good. Yeah, it's it's always it's hard for me to pick between that or the original Halloween when I'm like talking about John Carpenter masterpieces. I'm just like, god damn both of those are so good. Yeah, he had just that's, such an that's, incredible that's,
2: run. Like I always throw Escape yeah. from New York and The Salt and Precinct 13 in there too. It's like, how do you?
1: That's such they, an amazing jumble? Uh, they live like the dude was just knocking out bangers for the longest time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that late 70s, early 80s run that he had is is quite possibly like my favorite eight eight year run from like anybody to ever live and do this as a job. He's just like just giving us giving us stuff that I I just I'll take to the grave with me, you know? And so the thing, yeah, I just like it has to be the first pick. You know, it's just it's so goddamn good. So good shit, Connor. I figured that's what was gonna happen. Uh Caleb, you have the second pick.
1: All right. I had a feeling Connor was going to take the thing. Yeah. That's okay. I'll actually once go outside the box of horror. I'm okay doing that. And I'll take it. Okay. Because okay. I I forgot that a very special action film came out in 1982. And it's a series I adore from Mr. Sylvester Stallone. And that is First Blood. Ah. Oh, um, nice. Okay. I have had the Troy of showing Connor these films before there was the the somewhat abysmal um, Last Blood that came out um, But I showed them my little Four Blu-rays that I have From like the original already to like the 2008 Installment and um, What I love is when I show people this Especially First Blood is that you know Everyone has I like, know oh, what Rainbow is in their head Thanks mo- in large part due to to onward the sequels And especially when 2008's Rainbow Came out and like the super hyper Violence and gore that came with that one um, but with this first one, it's yeah, it has action, but it's such a great depiction of post uh war Vietnam and put po- what the vets were going through, the things they had to deal with in a in a country where a lot of people didn't want them back because they didn't mm. agree with a war, you know, they just were going by orders. They were just doing what they were told. That was it. And you see that in this movie. And it's again, it's just like Rocky, you're seeing Stallone perform. It's not just Having a gun, being the you know, the macho 80s action star that he became, and I'm not saying anything against him, he made some great fucking films out of it. But you're seeing him perform here, you're seeing him act and really show that that progression of this guy. He just wants to be left alone. He did nothing in that town, he didn't bug anyone, he didn't mess with anyone, but they bugged him, they pushed him, and you get that wonderful speech which thank God they did not go with that original ending. They went with that speech instead when he's like, Nothing, nothing is over, and he just goes off. And it's 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 brilliant. I stand by how great this film is. It's a damn near ten out of ten for me. First blood is awesome.
0: Nice. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long. Uh I definitely feel inspired to go back and rewatch it. Uh I did yeah, I, I thought that would maybe get taken, but not this early. So cool pick, man. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: I remember our Rambo watch was was fun until we got to three, and then I was like, ah. And but then we watched rambo 08 and I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah
1: little, three's uh, yeah,
2: little valley there, then a, another peak. It was nice, but uh yeah, First Blood is a, a an underrated drama that's also a badass action movie. Uh, yeah, good call. I'm I had a feeling you were going to take that. I didn't know you were going to sacrifice Poltergeist for it, but cool
0: yeah sacrifice sacrifice to lord austin that's uh the, that'll be the first movie i could take for sure is poltergeist um you know we're gonna talk about it a bunch so we all know it's pretty pretty fucking good awesome awesome ghost movie and really fun i forgot how much fun this movie is you know i hadn't seen it in a while i just uh, i just love the production design i love the setups i love the little the little traps that that are that are hidden throughout, you know. Um, I love the ending. Fucking love, love, love the score by Jerry Goldsmith, uh, and, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to get get more into that one. But uh, shit, I gotta I got a back to back pick here. Um, this is tough, man. Uh, there's a couple movies I'm thinking about. I feel like I feel like Connor. There, there, there. If I if it. I, you're gonna take one of these. I feel. I feel like, because when we, when we come back to you, you'll get two picks in a row. So, uh, fuck. I'm gonna go with the movie that I think is just better. Eh, that's that's the verdict. Um, just a, yeah. Just a, just a, That's that's a treat. That one right there. Uh, I was listening to uh, this podcast that kind of, kind of went viral. Uh, uh what the fuck with uh mark Marin, wtf podcast uh with uh with andrew garfield and you know of course that's a huge podcast one of the longest running he's like 1500 episodes in or some shit and um you know he's he's mark Marin, so pretty popular but at one point they're talking you know and and andrew garfield's like sydney lumet is my favorite director you know and he's like but i haven't seen a verdict and Mark Marin's like, you need to go home tonight and watch The Verdict. It's one of the best movies of all time, you know? Uh, I don't think it's one of the best movies of all time, but I sure do love it. It is Paul Newman at his finest, you could say. Uh, he's he's incredible. He plays an alcoholic uh, lawyer, which is just perfect for Paul Newman, right? That's like, yeah, that's like, what more do you want? And he is one of the masters. You know, Sidney Lumet is one of the masters. He, he's so good at drama, and this movie has plenty of it. Also, got like courtroom shit that's just fucking incredible, you know, right up there with like you know, A Few Good Men and Judgment of Nuremberg, just like intense, bring the pain type stuff that you actually want to see. Uh, and I, I felt like I saw a lot of uh, uh, little little flashes throughout. Better Call Saul. I saw little flashes of the verdict here and there, and that was really special. I feel like, I feel like this is a, a, a you know a cinephile's kind of movie. Uh, the verdict. It's it's one of those that. You just got to check out because it's got a great screenplay based on the novel of the same name. And and Paul Newman is, is batting a thousand percent in that movie. I love him in The Hustler, but this might be my fair role of his. Uh, and that's that's saying a lot because the dude was a fucking master. So I'll take I'll take the verdict with my second pick.
2: I was I was going to take the verdict. That is such a great movie. It's yeah. Know, Paul Newman versus James Mason you know yeah. the lives of hundreds at stake it's it's pure drama and it's great and i love a good redemption story yep and that's 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 you know that's what you get with the verdict you get all of it you get everything uh, we will no doubt make an epic Os- oscar sunday someday
0: and yeah. uh i can't wait <laughs> yeah 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 james mason jack warden charlotte rampling like everybody's just great you know so really good movie uh, i don't know if it's streaming anywhere but If you haven't seen the verdict, definitely, definitely check that shit out. It's really cool. Uh, Caleb, we're going back to you now.
1: All right. Well, this time I will go back to horror and pick one of the many horror films of 82. I'm going to pick a big one in Creepshow.
0: Oh, Ah! shit. Yeah, good. good.
1: good. Good
0: fucking pick. I figured this wouldn't last that long. Yeah.
1: I was I was playing I was playing the long game, seeing if we could. By the time it came back to me, I could pick it, and uh, it worked out. But yeah, it didn't uh, work I, out. You you know me, you
0: know. You were like, <laughs> "Hey, I'll sucker this fucker into taking Poltergeist, and then I'll get Creepshow." So good, good <laughs> drafting. Good drafting there. I don't know a thing or two about drafting. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> we draft. But, uh, yeah. But,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, Creepshow. I mean, this is the power of stephen king and george a romero in the 80s both at the i mean you have king at the height of his coke fueled fame and you got romero at the height of his living dead fame with you know this is often i limited off uh dawn of the dead especially day of the dead i was like that had not happened yet um but dawn of the dead and they came together being the friends that they were say like hey let's do an anthology based off the old ec comics and what we got is one of the most flawless anthology horror films I think I've seen in my life. It's up there with um, Trick or Treat, which I will totally be seeing in theaters next month when it gets released in theaters. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's just every segment is fun. A little bit of, you know, horror here and there, right? It's really scary, but still with that playful energy. You know, they're never trying to be like, to just pound you in the head. With like trying to scare the shit out of you, it's like we're scaring you, but we're having fun while we do it. And um, I really appreciate that. It's just a nice, fun, playful tone. And you know, I'm glad that we're at a point with the movie now. It's enduring legacy that you know we got you know out of it. You know the sequels, but now the TV show on Shutter and Creepshow, which is a lot of fun. So you know, it luckily has stood the test of time and it is still thriving to this day. Love it.
0: Yeah, good good pick there. This is. Just a fun fucking ride. Uh, really cool performances too from so many people. Uh, in particular, I really like Ed Harris's the segment he's in. Uh, just it, it, yeah, it's just fun as shit. Two hours well spent for sure.
2: Yeah, I watch Creep Show every Father's Day. It's <laughs> you know, I watch it with my grandpa. We just have a blast. It's every it, there's few there's so few um, anthology films where every segment is awesome, including the framing device which never mm. happens. Like I want to, you know, the dad and the voodoo doll and all that like it's it's so good. Every every segment is so unnerving. It's unforgettable. A lot of actors playing against type too, which I really like. Like Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson as, you know, in a horror story, like what, what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah, Creepshow is the fucking bomb. I was even totally going to take that. You guys are
1: reading my mind. <laughs> even um horror mainstay, uh, Tom Atkins Technically, against type. He doesn't have his stash, his signature stash that he <laughs> <his> shaved off. <laughs>
2: you got how Holbrook as a dude who hates his wife and is trying to feed her to a crate monster. It's just come on. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Cringe. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Um. Uh, all right. I, I'm I'm digging where this is going. This is fun. Uh, Connor, you have two picks in a row. Ah. Oh, shit. Okay. Um
2: see I'm looking at my list here and I'm like a lot of these movies are one and done for me. Um I'm going to go ahead and tackle Scorsese with The
0: King of Comedy. Uh, okay, that was the one I was going to yeah. I was go, I was in between that one and The Verdict. Yeah. If you want to
2: know where Joker came from, watch this. It's the story of Rupert Pupkin, a terrible comedian who really wants to be famous. So he kidnaps his favorite talk show host with the hopes of negotiating some airtime. And it is so weird and so oddly funny and disturbing. It's Robert De Niro in a way we've never seen him before. And also Jerry Lewis in a role that Johnny Carson wouldn't take because he said it was way too fucking real for him. (laughs) That's telling you something, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. The whole movie's kind of in Rupert's head as he's just imagining himself as, you know, king of the moment. And it ends with his, like, his set on TV. And it's not, he's not that bad. Some of the jokes were funny. But it ends with one of my favorite movie quotes of all time where he admits to the public, like, yeah, I kidnapped Jerry. He's at my girlfriend's apartment right now. Like, I'm not kidding. But you know what? It's better to be king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime. Yeah. God damn. And then everyone applauds him and he becomes famous. It's like, what is this weird-ass movie?
0: Uh, I yeah. Love yeah, and Morton's Borzese, right? You know, just like something totally out of left field for him, and I don't know. I feel like if you combine him and De Niro, you're gonna get gold. Like no matter what it is, they can kind of do anything, and they both just understand each other. And this is a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Watch this and Taxi Driver back to back, and you got you got you got yourself a movie. You know, uh, you got you got the parents of, of Joker for sure, and uh, more so the king of comedy. Especially, it's like so on the nose that De Niro was casted for. The part he was casted in for joker so always thought that to be interesting um i don't know i'm not a huge fan of joker but i'm a big fan of these two movies the king of comedy is great uh, I, I figured you were gonna take it if i didn't so good pick
1: yeah caleb have you seen the king of comedy no i have not i think you'd really
2: like it it's it's oddball like de niro and-
1: i tend to like a lot of scorsese stuff so yeah
2: yeah i feel like that's
1: something that's up my alley with him
2: yeah it's all it's it's weird seeing robert de niro play kind of a dork like you don't you don't really expect that but he pulls it off so well because he's just a damn good actor
0: yeah and this is you know eight years after he's in the godfather you know what i mean like and Six years after he's a taxi driver, and you're just like it's just weird that he's capable of doing of doing this kind of stuff. That's it's this to me. King of Comedy is one of the roles you'd point to where he has a case for being like the greatest actor of all time. And you have got to be able to do stuff like that. You got to be able to to adapt, and he certainly did it in that movie.
1: Well, he had he had a long period in like I would say like the 70s, 80s, and 90s where he could play various different roles with ease. And then oh, something yeah, happened yeah. with a, like, and it happens with a lot of these actors I've noticed they get older and they just kind of just play the same thing in their twilight years. And I'm like, yep. well, whatever makes you the money, like, I guess.
2: Well, I mean, we're, I think we're about to see, you know, Robert De Niro come back a little bit with um, Amsterdam coming out in the fall here,
0: which you- he, he, he still works with you know, Like he worked with David O. Russell, the director of Amsterdam back in, you know, with American hustle, Silver Lang's playbook. Right. Um, and he, you know, he, he, he did the Joker movie and, um he'll still do that. You know, he still like has that somewhere. But yeah, there is there is a clear like in the 2000s he's like fuck it, I'm going to like I, I'm going to get mine now. I've proven myself. I'm going to go ahead and like make my bread while I'm older and not have to try as hard, which is like yeah, that sucks, but like whatever. You know, he's Robert De Niro. He can kind of do whatever he wants. It's kind of like that conversation we have with Zemeckis. It's like you know, Zemeckis, sure like Doing this Pinocchio movie is not great for his like resume, but whatever, you know, he's he's Robert fucking Zemeckis. He's allowed to fuck up every now and again, you know, and that's just that's just the, the name of the game for these guys who get older, you know.
2: Just like watching Zemeckis make such terrible movies these days, it's like watching Michael Jordan play baseball. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I yeah, know yeah. what you're. I know what you're capable of. I know what you can do. Why are you doing this? <laughs>
1: But like, luckily, it got it in a way that Pinocchio phone kind of got buried because it's been D twenty three, which has overtaken anything in regards to that. So, yeah. and so it was ah. a big Marvel, you know, Star Wars announcement stuff. So that kind of overtook anything about you know Pinocchio being on Disney Plus.
0: <laughs> That's true, for, uh, which is to- which is totally fair.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: for my next pick. I, I have two movies in mind here, and I'm wondering where I should step. Um, you know what? For my dad, who might be listening to this, I am going to take Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's so awesome. First Star Trek movie is fucking horrendous. It is boring. It... It makes there's no conflict. It's two hours of nonsense. Wrath of Khan is one of the greatest sequels of all time. It is such a badass revenge thriller with Ricardo Montalban just hell bent on destroying everything that James T. Kirk cares about. You see the Enterprise crew with their absolute best. The visual effects are incredible. The score is wonderful. And it is just such a great revenge movie and sets up the conflict that pretty much just keeps snowballing through the rest of the the original uh, six Star Trek movies. Uh, I love it. It's such a rewatchable movie. It's so fun, so epic. The scale of this thing is is unbelievable. And I love it. I know watching, uh, about a while back, my dad uh, visited me and we marathoned the, the first six original uh, crew Star Trek movies. And we had such a badass time. I had never seen most of them and we just had such a
0: blast because he's a huge Star Trek geek.
2: So, very memorable time. So, Wrath of Khan means a lot to me because of that.
0: That's cool. That's cool as fuck. I I remember you t- talking to me about this movie whenever you and your dad did that. And your dad's got such, a, like, a cool, eclectic taste and <clears throat> definitely is not ever trying to, like, impress anybody or, um like, get some kind of approval. He just likes what he likes, you know. One of the first things that I remember talking to him about was... um. Uh, one of the lynch movies which one uh, maybe inland empire or one of those yeah. like, real one of those real weird ones that people just don't really talk about anymore uh or maybe lost highway i can't remember and we were both just like yeah like we just we just get it and there's no there's no need to like exactly say why you like it when you're a lynch fan you're just like yeah he gets it i get it cool <laughs> <laughs> and i i i love i love that i've always wanted to hang out with him more so Shout out, shout out to your dad for sure for wrath of Khan.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah good times badass movie are you a star trek guy caleb uh i've uh, recently i've gone more into star trek um i haven't seen the original movies um my love kind of started when we watched that the, the i guess at the time the most recent trilogy that abrams kicked off yeah um I i will never forget watching that my dad who i he always talked about you know how he played sports you know he was the jock um we're watching the first one and he is sitting there first name middle initial last name every single fucking character throughout that star trek i'm looking around like what are you and he goes oh yeah i really like the original series i watched every episode (laughs) i was like when were you going to tell me this so apparently he was a mega fan um, I have been watching the new stuff on um, Paramount Plus, so I've been watching, you know, um, Discovery, Strange New Wars, Picard, and um, they currently are finally are airing the new season of Lower Decks, which is more of like a adult animated comedy, so it's kind of poking some fun at it, which is a lot of fun. Um, it has the guy uh, Huey from The Boys voices the main character, which is funny because they said there's some. Sometimes kind of scheduling conflicts because <laughs> they're like, <laughs> hey, like, hey, I can't do the studio right now because I got to go film the boys real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, recently I've been getting re- really into. It. I've been liking all the new shows. Um. I'm probably I, just because of time stuff. I don't see myself like let me go back and watch the old shows. There's just too much old, too many episodes of the old shows, especially like the Next Generations. I think like six seasons or something. Yeah. Yeah, with I can't, like, I can't, I can't do it either.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's such a commitment. There's, you know, it's and it's not just Star Trek. It's Next Generation. It's Enterprise. It's Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Like, you, you can't just watch one of them. Uh, but the movies, you know, are pretty self-contained. Like, you don't really need to know much about Star Trek to enjoy them, which I, I like because I've never seen the the show, really. I've watched a few episodes of the original series, but I've never, like, watched a full season of any Star Trek but the movies are so easy to get into because they're just really good self-contained stories.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I, I definitely feel like a weird perfectionist side when, I'm, when I like watch things and I'm like, oh, I need to see everything to, like, uh, to, be, to be a part, to like have a seat at the table type thing. And so I've always, I've always struggled with Star Trek, but I have seen the first film and I've seen Wrath of Khan and I, I, I really like Wrath of Khan, so it's a cool pick. It's definitely definitely one that uh, I felt the passion from you, Connor. So, good pick. Uh, Caleb, your third movie.
1: Um, go ahead. I'm going to go... I'm going to keep it sci-fi, because I know you guys probably don't want it, because I know you guys are not as into this as I am, but I'm going to go Blade Runner. <laughs> okay. Alright. I am quite a fan of Blade Runner. Um... Ridley Scott, when he isn't trying to cash a paycheck and call it a day, is a hell of a director. Um, yes, as we know. And man, can this guy do sci-fi? Can he do fucking sci-fi between Alien and mixing sci-fi with horror, and then with this, which was to me mixing sci-fi with film noir, big time. Mm. Um, I, I personally i'm big i understand there's like five different cuts of this film for those who are wondering just watch the the final cut is what they call it that's the definitive what really scott wants out of the movie that's the cut to watch you don't have to worry about all the other cuts um but it it just presents a really interesting idea of like you know again what i like about a lot of these type of sci-fi films which is like what what does humanity truly mean like what does it mean to be human um and that film just explores this greatly obviously with harrison ford's character being, you know, a replicant hunter, basically, and trying to fight these guys. And then, um, Marker Hauer in just one of the best fucking performances that man's got. And he's, filled, he's a dude just filled with great performances. Love Rory Blatty to death. Dear God. That whole speech he does at the end in the rain stuff is just one of the greatest moments to me in cinema history. I yeah I I love the uh the design, just the design of the city and the look of it. Um, what really Scott was going through to get this made is nothing short of a miracle because he was a, you know, this first time director, that or at least at least in America, and director that this crew had no faith in them whatsoever. They were trying to get his ass fired at times, like they had no faith in him, and he pulled off what's considered to by many. Um, to be one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. Again, I know you guys aren't into it, but I I, I really enjoy Blade Runner. I, I fucking love Blade Runner.
0: Yeah, I I it's I think it's good. It's not like... Um, this one's tough. I, yeah, I remember Connor and I probably were pretty hard on it whenever we did an episode on it. Uh, I, I can't even remember when that was, but uh, I dig it. I do, and I do love Ridley Scott. I love Philip K. Dick. I love that novel androids dream of electric sheep i love that shit a lot philip k dicks the the man and him and kurt vonnegut are probably my favorite sci-fi writers uh i i just feel like there was an expectation going into it where people built it up to be this i guess i was expecting like something as good as the thing and i just shouldn't have shouldn't have thought that you know and so that's that's partly my fault but I do like. I give it a seven out of ten. Like I think it's got some stuff to offer for sure, and I'm I'm willing to rewatch it and change my mind with any movie, and so I'm willing to like let Blade Runner have a different kind of life uh, in my mind at some point. So I do think it's a good pick. It is one of the most you know acclaimed movies from that year. So, uh, and and yeah, really Scott's it's, it's fun to go to bat for him, Connor. I all right, um, look.
2: Well. <laughs> I don't want, I, I don't want to take anything away from anybody, whatever anybody likes that's theirs. I don't want to step on that. I've just, but, I've, but you know, here we go. I've, however. I've, I've, I've given Blade <laughs> Runner so many chances. I've seen it like three or four times now and I can't get into it. I fall asleep every time. It To me, it's just a, a dull affair that I, I just can't, I can't work with. So I've, I've given up on Blade Runner. I've it's not my bag. So I stepped away. I don't ever plan on going back in. I've done an episode on it. It's part of the show. Therefore, I do not need to watch it again. But I'm glad that you really like it. So good, 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 good on you, man.
1: Good on you. <laughs> you should give it like a fourth chance. I did give it a fourth yeah. chance. I would have fifth. to give it a fifth chance. Yeah. <laughs> fifth viewing. Fifth that's the critical one.
2: Three separate oh, you know- three separate classes in college and then one for the show. So it's just, I'm done. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I think, I think what would be really funny is if, you know, I, cause it was nominated for two Oscars. And if I threw it on Oscar Sunday, you know, I could get Connor to rewatch it for, <laughs> for a fifth time. <laughs> nah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I remember, I remember both of us, you know, being just like a little, like let down, I guess. And, it is. It's built up, built up to be a classic, and that, for me, I have a hard time, hard time with something. I something I like consciously work on as a movie fan is to like set my expectations aside, what other people have said about it, because I, I struggle with that for sure.
2: Yeah, and you know we've got a Blade Runner fan right here who could do the Oscar Sunday of Blade Runner well, with you <laughs> while well, I go, I you know, you. eat some chips and watch TV or something. <laughs> Nope. Oh, Jesus if we, Christ. If we do
1: it, I want you involved as well. Yeah. Yeah, just like, hey, if we're going to do Shape of Water, I'm going to sacrifice,
0: you know, my my two hours of my life. And not just two hours, it's a best picture movie. So, like, I'm going to be watching a bunch of shit, uh, and, and a few of them I, I don't care for. So,
1: you know, that's a part, it's part of the game here, my, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> This is my curiosity. I can't remember. What did you guys think of the sequel, Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I love, love, love the sequel. I love it. Like nine out of ten,
0: I love that movie.
2: I I had exactly the same problem. So yeah, that was boring. It's just the worst right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Something about that world.
2: I can't work with. I can't get into it. I don't know what it is. I just I don't like it.
0: Brooding, brooding, brooding. Harrison Ford. to do it for
1: you
0: <laughs> not really I <laughs> no that's yeah. all I need
1: is fruiting her I, just, I, board. I think I just me had too. so many
2: I had so many people tell me it was amazing that I just I couldn't figure out why so all
1: right. Yeah. all right yeah my uh my blu-ray has like all five cuts I watched all five of them in a week literally just that's so awesome the <laughs> next day put in the ne- next cut and went okay let's see how this one's different yeah
0: Uh, what a fucking cool week i do i love i love shit like that and i think like the the lore of blade runner is really fascinating and usually their fans and caleb you're clearly one of them are are like they'll they'll fucking go to bat for that movie and i do respect that i like when i like when a a fan club of a movie is like this is ours everybody else can fuck off you know and i i'm I'm cool with that because i have movies like that too in my in my mind and yeah, This is great. <laughs> this draft is going really well because I, I knew Blade Runner was probably going to get taken. Uh, uh, I just knew it wasn't going to be Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good movie to have uh, if you're trying to get, you know, if you're, if the fans of the show are listening and they're like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy's run of movies are awesome because he's got Blade Runner. You know, you got you got to think about that with the draft, you know. <laughs> hey, all I'm thinking about is what do I like? Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and like you, you ended up you, you ended up with some good stuff. So you still got a movie to go. Uh, all right. Well, I have two picks in a row, and that'll finish off my little nineteen eighty two catalog here. Um, it's just tough, man. I got a lot of lot of shit, and I feel like some of these movies are just gonna be left off. You know, this is you know this, this is tough tough to cut. But I am gonna, I'm definitely gonna take another drama here, um, and bore everybody to death. Uh. Uh, Sophie's Choice, 1982, uh, Meryl Streep, Best Actress Win. I'd like to pair that movie up with uh, The Verdict and challenge anybody to watch those back-to-back and not uh, feel like shit for the rest of the day. Uh, Sophie's Choice is, is Brutality. It has got some of the most grueling scenes uh, I, can, I can imagine for a drama movie. And Meryl Streep is is something else. You know that was, that was kind of my introduction to her. My mom showed me that movie when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, admittedly, you know, some of it was a bit boring at that time when I was younger. It is so dramatic. But then I watched it again by myself and I was like, wow, this is mesmerizing, you know, this screenplay, the love triangle that that, that happens. And, um, of course, the movie is called Sophie's Choice. So when she comes to that decision, that choice, you are fucking done you know you're 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 in you're melted into your seat and you're crying and and watching one of the greatest you know greatest living actresses go to work and i'd say it's probably my favorite role of hers so i feel like i have to take it you know it's a big oscar movie um it's just just kind of right up my alley uh but then i'll i'll go off i'll go off the wall here uh i'll choose a movie that i actually just watched this week for the first time uh, I, I was going to watch more 1982 stuff. Just couldn't really get around to it. Had a weird week. Um, just just kind of, I feel like this week just fucking flew by and I had no time to really, really do the stuff I want to do as far as movies go. But I did get to check out a movie on the Criterion channel uh, called Chan is Missing. It's a really, really unique film here. And I chose it on a whim. I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Criterion, search 1982 and see, see what they have. And you know, admittedly, the movie's only an hour and fifteen minutes, and I was like, "Cool, like I can do that, like easily." You know, that's that's gonna be no problem. I can do that right before I go to bed, and won't be won't be killing too much time. Uh, what I got was a movie that, that really really stirred me up and really made me think, and I I highly recommend it because again, it's very short, very entertaining. And it's got some great dialogue, so I don't want to give too much away. But the the general synopsis is uh, these two these two gentlemen they're living in san francisco's chinatown uh they're chinese americans and their buddy chan um disappears and has a chunk of their money he has like four or five grand that belongs to these other you know they're supposed to split it three ways and it was supposed to be money that they were going to use to kind of start like a business essentially uh i'll leave most of those details out in case people want to watch it but uh These two guys, it's like a film noir type type movie and has some really, really cool dialogue about what it's like to be Chinese American and live in the 80s in in California. And I've never seen a movie go at the issues the way this movie did, especially for its time. You know, Um, very rare that I watch a movie that isn't straight up Chinese and in Chinese from, you know, these these older decades. So watching these guys speak English, really good English, and talk about their experience as being looked at as just straight up Chinese, even though they've always lived in San Francisco, was really unique and really really made me think. You know, uh, directed by Wayne Wang and some really great performances from Wood Moy. He plays an older gentleman, and Mark uh, Hayashi. He plays a uh, uh, he, he plays the other guy's nephew, and they were both awesome, man. And it's like a slice of life movie. Looks like uh, something that inspired Linklater for sure. Just, just people chopping it up and talking about random shit, but also really big shit. And so I, I really fell in love with it. Um, I definitely want to try to try to buy it and and own that own that movie for my shelf. So I also just see it as a movie I want to recommend and kind of you know. Um, again, I've said this before, but like go to bat for it, you know, and really, really try to hammer at home that more people should see this movie because it's got very little you know reviews uh around the internet very little very few people you know like on letterboxd and whatnot so i just i, I hope people uh give it a chance I, I really liked it
2: that's great man i'm glad you were able to find something new explore some un, uncharted territory yeah um, sophie's choice has eluded me i have not yet seen that i i know it's going to be a, a sad watch yeah, uh, there's certain movies Trust. I've avoided because I just I know it's going to ruin my day. <laughs> yeah, it 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 will. Yeah, I
1: but I'll get around to
2: it for sure.
1: I wish I had that same mentality <laughs> that you have, kind of like movies that would ruin your day. Because a lot of times I've been like, "Hey, this movie's supposed to be super fucked up." Which is something you hear commonly with a lot of foreign horror movies, and I seek it out. It's it's bit me in the ass a couple times. So I'm like, "Well, that was a bad thing to watch at like noon." I can work with that. I can work with a disturbing horror movie, but like watching a movie
2: about you know Holocaust survivors just struggling to make ends meet, like that's a different vibe that I just getting in that mindset will just make me depressed. Whereas the horror stuff will be like, I'll just be thinking about it and be like,
1: ugh. Which I can I can work with.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. that I've seen. seen (laughs) Things that these eyes have seen. Oh, uh, that's
0: that's that's great. Yeah, I, I it'd be fun if you guys did like a swap where like Caleb, you have to watch like a three hour just really intense drama, and Connor, you have to watch something just just ultimately fucked up that Caleb has seen, and do a oh. little
1: movie swap. Oh, there's a pinnacle movie on that one. I don't think yeah. Connor could make it through. I probably could not make it through if we swapped. <laughs> yeah, that'd be
0: so funny. You guys both get like an hour in. And you're like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> I'd have to
2: like try to sabotage I like, give him like the Age of Innocence or something
0: yeah yeah there you go that's like a perfect example yeah
2: <laughs> I just stood there like stoic the whole time I fold nothing
0: <laughs>
2: that's we did when we saw the Age of Innocence like
0: that's not even a good movie I like I like the Age of Innocence so I think it's good yeah <laughs> very dramatic I own that movie yeah you were abandoning <laughs> me
2: quite a lot on this episode I just want to throw that out <laughs> <laughs> abandoning you knew I liked The Age of Innocence. I own it. Didn't I let you borrow it? I thought it was a gift, and you were kind of like, eh, it was all
0: right. No, yeah, I was underwhelmed, but I still like it. I was underwhelmed because of, like, who's in it, you know? I mean, it's, it's 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 my guy, DDL, but, like, I still thought it was pretty good. Eight out of ten, type movie. No. I, was expecting, I was expecting a nine. You know, I was expecting, oh, this is, like, great cast and crew. Didn't quite meet those expectations,
1: but I still liked it. Yeah, seven or eight, 7.5 maybe.
2: I think I gave it like a 4.
1: Oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. sounds like you don't know your friends very well, but it sounds like <laughs>
0: apparently not. That's great. You know, and, and and abandoning what else did I abandon you on? Uh Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I was trying to be I was trying, trying to be, trying to be honest here. I I I do understand people's affinity for it. I don't feel that necessarily, but I do love Twenty forty nine. So, like, I get that that world is something I'm interested in.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Join join us, Connor. Join us. Maybe the next Blade Runner, Connor, will be like, "This is the
1: one." (laughs) This is third time's the charm. Yeah. I hope
2: there is not a next Blade
1: Runner. (laughs) I hope there is, and I will make you watch it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, was not was Blade Runner up in 2017 for Best Picture or no? No, it wasn't.
2: It it won a bunch of technical stuff, but it wasn't up.
0: For okay. Time. I was going to say, because like, that would be funny if you had to watch that and I had to watch Shape of Water, and we both are just miserable.
2: <laughs> now, <laughs> and my, my... Lady Bird is going to be my miserable
1: venture oh. when we get
0: to that. Yeah, I fucking I'll love let's... Lady Bird.
1: I'll say I would win either way with those two options, because I like both movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I'd be winning.
0: Yeah, Caleb would do, do just fine. Uh, all right. Well, Caleb, you got your last pick here. You have
1: First Blood, Creepshow, and Blade Runner. Good group. What's uh What's going to be the last one? Last one's going to be a horror film, one of a major franchise that I'm debating on as we speak. It's tough because it's the '80s. The slasher was booming. <clears> oh. <throat> You know what? Because I know we have an episode next month on this on this one, I'm gonna pick the other one and go with Friday thirteenth, part three, the one in three D. Um, as you guys know, anyone who knows me, I adore the Friday thirteenth franchise. I'm a massive fan. I make a point to watch my favorite ones or just watch any installments anytime there is a Friday thirteenth in the year. Um, and I find the first six films consistently pretty fucking awesome in their own way um part three is notable for giving us the hockey mask with jason he gets he gets the hockey mask finally you know he has a quick little jump scare in part one Has the sack head going on in part two and then he finally gets to look in part three that we know him as um there's just some great fucking death scenes that aren't in 3d Maybe some of the three D effects don't hold up because they were, you know, just pop shit out of the screen. Call it a day. Um, but there are some great kills, like the one guy that's like walking on his hands and like walks right to chase, and he takes a machete right down, right down the middle. You have an idea of where it went. Um, <laughs> uh, and it also has. God damn it!
0: <laughs> yeah, I was taking I was taking a drink. and I almost choked.
1: Uh, (laughs) it was was great (laughs) this is also the the installment that is notable for having the character of shelly played by larry Zerner, who is now an entertainment lawyer and has been nice enough to get on twitter and break down the ongoing legal issue in layman's terms for everybody with the the franchise which he hasn't done recently because it's finally out of court there's a lot of rumors Surrounding that we are actually getting a new installment next year. Right now, there's just rumors, nothing confirmed. But yeah, this is a really fun installment. I I enjoy the the hell out of it. Um, is it my personal favorite installment of that franchise? No, that goes like part four and part six. I I adore those two, but three is a solid one. It's a lot of fun, even with the weird like main character who apparently had a run in with Jason that we never talk about except for this this one movie. But hey, fuck it um yeah friday 13 part three in 3d nice
0: nice i was wondering i was wondering if that was the you know i was looking at my box and i was like yeah i feel feel like Caleb's just got to he's got to be able he's got to open the floor to talk about talk about that that franchise that's so dear to your heart and uh connor i'm not gonna abandon you on this one i just I, i've never gotten into it man i've never maybe i missed maybe i missed that that bus maybe i missed that train like when I was younger and so I, I just haven't really ever gotten into those movies and I feel like I'm missing a, missing a part of pop culture yeah, I hate that feeling well,
2: you know you're still a young
0: man, and yeah. uh, there's a, there's a chance yeah.
2: all of them are in my voodoo, so if you ever feel like you're really missing out,
0: you go ahead um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I always laugh when I'm looking in the voodoo and I just see all of those like blah you know I just take up a whole page I'm like good God
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't you know because of the way I watched these the first time I don't remember specifics I remember the first one because I watched it again for a recent filmgasm but they all bleed together because I watched them all at once with with Caleb I did that to I did that to Jason and I did that to Freddie I wish I hadn't because I don't I don't, I don't have any. Like it's all one giant twelve-hour movie. Uh, so I'm waiting for them to pop up on the show so I can split them up and really appreciate them as individual films. Hopefully, uh, but I know Caleb, that you love these, and I'm glad you were able to grab one.
1: Yeah, one day you guys will, you guys will get it one day. Just they're just fun, watch teenagers, you know, go out party, drink. Do some drugs, have sex, and then Jason go in and murder them viciously. They're not. They're not high art. They're not meant to make you think or, you know, <laughs> question your reality. They are just hey, shut your brain off. Watch these people be idiots, and then Jason go in and massacre them, and you cheer to their death. <laughs> Crowd pleasing, fun horror films. Yeah, fair I, enough.
0: I, yeah, I can get down with that. You know, I like. I like the way you put it there. You know, I, I, that's it's it's a. It's good. To, it's good to have movies to shut shut the kind kind of you know the the motherboard like put it put it put it to rest and and let yourself just be just be a movie fan. So I like that.
2: Yeah, that's nice. And you know I do love when he goes to space and fucks up all those idiot scientists.
1: J- Jason X <laughs> is a fucking great. Movie. I will stand. I will stand on that hill and die on it. Jason yeah. X, great movie.
2: I got that on DVD for my birthday when I was like eight or nine years old a friend of mine got me that and my mom immediately put it away like I couldn't I didn't get to watch it for a long time
1: <laughs> admittedly when the franchise got like long in the tooth right and they were like oh shit we gotta do something it got wild like you had like hey let's put a telekinetic you know telekinesis lady in here and it became like fucking Jason's versus Carrie. And then they're like hey let's sing him to Manhattan but we don't have the money for that so he's gonna be on a boat the whole time. And then I was like, "Hey, let's kill him." And a parasitic worm is possessing people, and they're being Jason. That, yeah. And then yeah, let's just send his ass to space because uh, we were supposed to have a fray versus Jason out. It's not out yet, so yeah, we're just on to space.
2: Well, I mean, to be fa- you know, to be fair, how many times can you do guy in hockey mask kills teenagers before people start getting bored? Six. No, That's how many times.
1: Six. And even <laughs> then, people. <laughs> People ride it on 5 because of the whole, you know, twist with 5. You know, I I like 5. It it has like a sleazy quality cuz they 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 hired a fucking porn director <laughs> to do part 5. <laughs> so it has like the sleaziest goddamn quality to it, but I love it so much. Could oh, just it was... take a
2: moment to realize <sighs> We're talking about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise on Oscar Sunday here. I never thought
1: that would yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in heaven right now.
0: This is fucking great.
1: This is what happens when you get me on the show. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not I'm, here I'm to bring a, class a for Oscar Sunday. I'm here to declass Oscar Sunday. <laughs> good, good. I love After, that. That's you're fantastic. Jack Black in the prep
2: school. That's that's you, Kaylee
0: Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Schnebley. Uh, all right, Connor, oh. your last your last pick whenever you're ready, man. Okay. Finish this finish this draft off. Um I'm
2: surprised no one's taken E.T. That's the uh kind of the most successful film here. It, and yeah, um,
0: it it is, yeah.
2: But I'm not I'm not gonna take it. So I don't really know why I brought that
1: <laughs> up. <laughs> How can you bring that up? I'm not taking it. Nope.
2: Fuck that movie.
1: Yeah. I'm taking I'm taking Rocky three.
2: Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, you got to. Rocky three.
2: Yeah. Rocky 3 might be my favorite
1: mm. uh, of Stallone's original Stallone? line. Hmm? Do we have a movie one of these lists that started with Stallone and now one that ends with Stallone?
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just caught oh,
2: that. That. <laughs> that is cool. I like that. Slide, this one's for you. Um
0: Actually, you deserve that Oscar so... slide. <laughs> ah! I'm
1: with no, you, God. I was so pissed. Not for, yeah, right. not for Creed, not for Creed, but for first blood. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take either I stand by First Blood He's fucking phenomenal in First Blood
2: Oh man Rocky 3 is when the franchise Finally started getting Like goofy and corny And like really over the top Because you got like Mr. T as this like You know I'm gonna kill him in the ring Like crazy boxer who fucks up Rocky And then Rocky's like You know what do I do now I'm not the champ anymore And you know Mick is dead And it's like what do we do And who's there for him apollo motherfucking creed who's like i'm gonna teach you how to box you know how to fight i'm gonna show you how to box and that whole montage is awesome then becoming friends and then rocky putting on creed's american shorts and being like you know the prod- prodigal ch- son of the of the champ it's fucking awesome <laughs> i love rocky three
0: <laughs> this is great but four 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 is my favorite four one Three and two are are close, I guess, and then not a huge, you know, five or six guy. But then the Creed movies are great, so uh,
1: yeah. Three, Balboa. three is fun though. I love Rocky Balboa. I'm, I'm with you on five, but I actually am quite a big fan of Rocky Balboa, especially that whole speech with the whole like, it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and get back up. I'm like, <laughs> fucking Ghost Alone, yeah.
2: <laughs> right. I love all the Rocky movies for various reasons. Like, there's things about Five I do like. I just I wish he would have kicked Paulie to the curb a long fucking time ago. But, um, yeah, Defend Five, you do that. You do that. I, I just think it's fun, you know, because it's Rocky. Like, I I could watch any Rocky movie and find something to enjoy. But Five is the worst one. I'm not
0: gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna not say that. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to Creed Three. Watch Michael B. Jordan fight Jonathan Majors. That's gonna be fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Finally. I, I feel like I feel like Majors is is a guy that we're, we're gonna be gonna be very, very impressed by over the next few years and
1: between playing Kang and meaning. Yeah, Majors is just having a hell of a fucking career going on right now. He won well, me over yeah.
2: as soon as I saw the harder they fall. Like as soon as I watched that, I'm like, I like this guy a lot.
1: Dude, you so. you sure have seen Lovecraft Country. He was fucking great in Lovecraft Country.
0: I'll I'll I'll, I'll take I'll take you guys even further back. Uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco before both of those. He's so fucking good in that movie. I, I was like, what? Who the hell is this guy? You know, and like, why is he not? Why is he not like extremely famous? So I'm glad he's he's going to be soon. Uh, anytime you get on to the Marvel payroll, uh, it's, it's good for your career. Well, it's good for your bank, you know, your bank account. It could be good for your career, too. I mean, look at Robert Downey Jr. It, it can. It can. Sometimes, sometimes you know, we've seen it. We've seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I'd, mean, say, gotta, I'd say it's you like... You gotta put in some work, too. You gotta try a little harder. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like 70-30, 70 good, 30, maybe bad. Maybe even 80-20. I, I think there's very few times where it's like, that was not good for me. You know, it's like, well, it got it probably paid for your house you know so yeah it's, it's that kind of that kind of thing like
2: i don't think eternals is going to do anybody any favors correct it's not uh, like it's I not like
0: know. people are like have you seen brian tyree henry and eternals you know like nobody's <laughs> nobody's fucking saying that you know nobody's like K- kumail was actually really good in that movie like that's not
1: you guys like uh. seeing both the starks and eternals <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say a single line of reference game of thrones to each other go fuck yourself
2: <laughs> again also you know both dating a chick named cersei it's like how do you fucking
0: not reference that? anyway uh, yeah, rocky, uh good, rocky stuff, good stuff yeah yeah rocky three III, rocky three's tight um all right all right so we got we got our four movies each here uh connor you've got the thing king of comedy star trek 2 the wrath of Khan, and rocky three so you got a couple, a couple sequels, a couple of really good original movies. Well, the thing, you know, that was tough, but like, I don't know, I see it as its own beast. Uh, Caleb, you got First Blood, fucking Rambo, Show, Blade Runner, and Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in three D. Yeah,
2: that's Caleb <laughs> right there. Like that makes perfect sense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: this one describes you the best of all, of all four, but all three of us. Uh, and I got Poltergeist, The Verdict, Sophie's Choice, and Chan is missing. Um I was able to, I was able to snag Poltergeist there, which is obviously the movie we're, we're here to to really talk about today. And I, I'm ready to dive right into this shit and hear your thoughts, you guys' thoughts on, on your favorite parts of it. So we'll do our awards for it. Just jump in, talk about the movie. The Quentin Tarantino for the best quote. Uh, the Ennio Morricone for the best uh, music moment, which is a you know, fantastic score again by Jerry Goldsmith, some, some amazing stuff. Uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman for the best performance of the movie, which you could go a lot of ways here. Um, there's a lot of nominees, I, 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 I believe. And then we got the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie. Uh, Caleb, why don't you start us off with your favorite quote, best quote. The Tarantino.
1: Right, it's, a, it's a doozy. It's a line I've always enjoyed since I first saw this film. And this is when Craig T. Nelson discovers that they haven't moved the bodies. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. And that's when he Suck, tells yeah. the guy, "You son of a bitch! You moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch! You left the bodies. You only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. Why? Why? That whole line. Um, yeah. So good. Just like after everything this family has gone through at this point, and you think it's all safe and fine, finally, and the craziness happens." And, you know, he already had that prior talk with him about, like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll just move it like we did the cemetery that was here. And you see his face be like, what? But he thinks, well, you move the bodies, too. And then he finds out, no, you didn't. <laughs> and this explains all the weird shit happening right now. And he just everything he's gone through. He's been relatively calm. Good old Craig T. Nelson. He's keeping the cool as much as he can for all the craziness going on for his family. And he ha- finally has his moment here where he just loses it on this guy, like, yeah. Are yeah. you fucking serious? You moved the headstones. You got rid of that, but you just left them buried here, and then you developed houses on top of that. What the fuck? Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, he he's Mister Incredible, so like you know, of course he's keeping his cool, you know. And then, when the time came to pounce, he he pounced, man. That's you know, like it's it, it's probably the most recognizable line from the movie aside from "They're here." You know, like those those little Heather O'Rourke moments. Uh, So, yeah, fantastic quote.
2: Yeah, I love when coach goes nuts on his boss and just tells it's that revelation of like this entire neighborhood is built on a cemetery. That's just pissed. It's the implications that are crazy. Like, what else is going to happen here? You know, that family got out. They're going to be okay. But this is not the last incident that's going to happen in this neighborhood. And everyone there is fucked. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's such a simple way to just freak everybody out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's, it, it, this time I watched it, I was just thinking about, I was thinking a lot about what was going on in the United States, like, when this movie came out and just, like, that, that kind of bullshit, like, American dream thing that, uh, like, Ronald Reagan was, like, just selling to people, basically. Yeah, And this movie is this movie is definitely, like, making fun of that, that, like, suburb, like, it's all going to be okay, you know? And then to thrust them into this crazy horror world is such a cool creative decision. Well, this yeah. was,
2: like, the first ghost movie to be in the burbs. I mean, you know, ghost haunted house movies were, like, old gothic manors and, like, the rundown, you know, shack outside of town. But this was your house. This was your mom's house. This was the place where you played with your friends. Like, this was the safe place where horrible shit was happening. So, like, yeah, definitely kind of mocking reagan's policies and you know spielberg like they you know they did that shit
1: well that's one of the biggest significant thing about about this film is that it did break that barrier of like now it's happening where you live you know what i mean it's like your home is now not safe anymore from paranormal especially again coming from Hooper who even with the texas chancellor massacre you know that house is on the middle of fucking nowhere there. it makes sense that something like that could happen because we we've all had that thought about like that house that may or may not be abandoned it's on the middle of nowhere this he said let's take it to the him and spielberg, spielberg came here and said, like, let's take this to the suburb let's transport it to the place that everyone feels safe and yeah. that just made it that much more scary and then yeah like I said with that um i just want to quick with craig t nelson when he lose that line the look in his eye when he's like yelling at this guy like that's what another reason I picked the line is just his before, like that. That look is just like I'm done, and I'm about to just rip your own head off if anything else happens.
2: Yeah. My favorite bit of that whole moment is when the daughter shows up and is like,
1: "What's happening?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I love the older daughter cracks me up because she's just like, in a she's on a different world than the other the, the rest of the family. I've always I've always liked that character.
2: Yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Connor, go ahead. What's yours? Uh, I do have an, a quick honorable mention because it made me laugh. Uh, when the portal opens up in the living room and like the, the watch and the like knickknacks fall out, I just love Craig T. Nelson's reaction. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, just <laughs> exasperated beyond belief. Now there's new shit happening. He doesn't know how to handle that, That, let alone this. And he's just like,
1: ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, just a dad. Just a dad trying, trying his artist. He, he, I always crack up when Craig T. Nelson's having that that the uh, the remote face off with his neighbor. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Look, man, so we're funny. trying to watch the game. Yeah, my kid wants to watch Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. I, I I love when the when that guy brings the beer in, like at the beginning of that scene. It's just fucking spraying everywhere, and these guys are screaming at the television. It's uh, so good. Definitely making fun of like dad culture in the suburbs you know i I always loved that scene
2: yeah um but my real line comes from um the medium who shows up to help them and is describing what's going on here and says to joe beth williams there's one more thing a terrible presence is in there with her so much rage so much betrayal i've never sensed anything like it i don't know what hovers over this house but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your daughter away from you It keeps Carol Ann very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It tells her things only a child could understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us, it is the beast. There's a long pause. She just goes, now let's go get your daughter. Fuck, man. Like understanding the stakes. Like this is you versus the devil for for the soul of your child. Like holy shit, this thing gets amplified to like you know an unearthly level with that little speech.
0: Yeah, I, I my my mind was in the same place. That's a uh, Zelda Rubenstein, right? That that yeah. my my mind was in the same place. She has she has all my favorite quotes from the movie and uh, Tangina. It's like she's such a of course her voice and she's like four foot three, you know, and has this real but has this really amazing presence about her. That I, that is just like intoxicating. So I also chose chose a line from her. It's my it's always been my favorite line because the way she says it, and her voice is so like high, high pitched when she says, "Now clear your minds." It knows what scares you. It has from the very beginning. Don't give it any help. It knows too much already. <laughs> just such like an iconic the horror line that at some point was going to get written for a movie. And thank you, Mr. Spielberg. You 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 know how to write shit for sure. To just kind of. Kind of blow our minds with with simplicity. Uh, this this movie makes the right turns so many times, uh, and that's why it's so good.
2: The first time I saw this, I was convinced that she was going to betray them, that like she was actually trying to like, bring forth the beast. But uh, no, she actually was really there to help.
1: Mm. Yeah. A, lot of her, a lot of her lines you can still kind of fill in like you know paranormal films to this day and how they especially like uh, the first Insidious, um, wh- how they hype up the further and like what's going on in that ward and trying to get their son back in that movie. You can see a lot of the influence in that from Poltergeist and like that line about who this thing is that they're dealing with and the hype up of the beast and how dangerous this paranormal entity is. And, you know, it's this is a high stakes mission of we need to get your daughter's soul back from someone that has been, having this plan in motion potentially for a while.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. So good. Still so good. Movie making Spielberg's pretty good at it. Uh, he's pretty good at doing these stories. Um The in your award. This one, this one was really fucking hard. Uh, it took me like not writing anything down. It took me thinking about it at work today to like actually figure out what my favorite music moment is. So, uh, Caleb, again, you can start us off your favorite favorite music moment from this genius, genius score.
1: So I did not actually have a hard time, and only because I, I wrote it down early. It's the opening uh, credit sequence. I'm a sucker for Chuck's position. Um, and in this ah. case, having that playful, calming music essentially doing what i mean what you should do in a film sense suburbs lulling you into a false sense of security like hey nothing bad happens here it's the suburbs look at this all-american family aren't they awesome and having a great time parents smoke pot isn't this cool 80s america
0: (laughs) (laughs) morning in america yeah (laughs) Uh, and and then and before all that you have the fucking national anthem playing before like the TV goes to static and it's just like, oh what a what a fucking genius touch. Yeah, concludes so broadcast.
1: It, it's all <laughs> this just lulling you and lolling you into like this false security until shit starts to hit the fan, the creepy stuff starts. Awesome. And even when the creepy stuff happens, what I love is that it's playful. It's like, Oh hey, look, they're moving a chair across, it's so cool. And you know, she puts on the fucking helmet. She's like, All right, you yeah. sit there. And then she just gets pushed across, right? It's playful. It's like, it's thinking, oh, okay, you're on the stereotypical show, you know, dare I say for, I mean, it's the 80s, but stereotypical Spielberg type film before it's like, all of a sudden Hooper goes, uh-uh, this is my fucking movie. You, you've seen <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Masks, so watch what I can do. Yeah. As long as I pull the rug out from under you. So yeah, the, that opening credit scene is just like putting that false sense of security at the beginning of the movie is a nice touch.
0: Yeah, truly great pick.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is what I picked as well for exactly the same reasons. I I love how the film is, you know, telling you like this isn't going to be that scary.
0: Like this, this will be fine. You know,
2: kids have skateboards. Look at that.
0: And yeah they're 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 chasing they're chasing the fat guy with the beer with their remote control cars. It's cool. It's cool. It's normal Sunday. Don't yeah, worry, it's, that
1: it's- totally Huber's directing it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, like you
2: saw E.T. This is by, you know, same guy was involved here. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't scare you, would he? Like he loves you. <laughs>
1: <Here's> Mr.
2: Rogers. <laughs> like they're watching the game. It's, you know, it's funny. And then shit starts. But I, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith does a great job just, you know, giving you the, the wholesome 80s American family vibe with his opening credits. And then I love that it's not, a, it's not a hard left into pure horror. It's very much a slow descent into madness. And the score kind of bounces off of that. You know, it goes from like some some eerie violin to like straight up nightmare at the end of the movie. It's, it's a brilliant
0: like buildup. Yeah, truly, truly. Oh, it's really cool about what y'all chose. Is y'all, <clears throat> y'all chose the beginning. I chose the end. I chose uh, Carol Ann's theme at the end of the movie when they're at the holiday end and uh the father uh craig t nelson pushes the tv out of the room i'm a big sucker for i'm a big sucker for the like la 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 la
1: la you
0: know that's playing, and it's it's just like hey there's probably gonna be a sequel yeah get ready to get get ready to get fucked again and i i like i'm 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 a big fan of that that was my favorite moment because it it has that lull but it's also just so creepy and so so fucking weird and Has kind of stayed in my head, so I love that bit.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's you don't really get like a calm after the storm moment. You just get kind of like a, yeah, they beat it this time, but yeah, next time,
1: (laughs) the 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 next family. Yeah, I do love how they look as they're just walking to the motel room. It's that look of like they've gone through hell, and like it's not a moment later. Craig T Nelson's like, this TV's not being in this room. Yeah. Yeah, no no entertainment.
0: Yeah. No 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 entertainment, no dialogue. It's it's yeah, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant finale, really. After that craziness of all the bodies coming out of the ground and uh, all that just complete madness and production design out, you know, off the fucking chain. It's such a good, like wholesome, like fatherly touch for him to move the TV and be like, We're good for tonight. We made it to the hotel. Let's 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 fucking chill out. We deserve it. Let's get some room service. You know, uh, I I love that shot too. I think it's a brilliant shot as the credits start rolling, and I just connect with it a lot. I think it's, I think it's really important to to land a movie like this, and I thought it landed pretty well.
2: well. I also love how this film used the TV, which was you know at the time still you know not a new invention, but you know probably the most popular the most popular invention like ever at the time, and it was a safe place. You know, you watch TV. To chill, to unwind, and all of a sudden, there's monsters coming out of it, like to make you afraid of your TV. That is that is pretty brilliant.
0: Oh yeah, it's yeah, and it's 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 something that we are always always chasing in horror movies. Is like what piece of technology that that like we use probably too much, you know? So like, I love those like chat room movies. Like like Host is such a cool movie. Because he utilizes this thing that we're like, oh, like this is a way to get away. Let's use Zoom and play a game with each other. And you're like, let's do this podcast together through Zoom. And then, like, all of a sudden, all three of us are like dying, you know? And like, that's, that's, that's fascinating because it's like, well, well, like I have my computer, I have my phone, I have my iPad, whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, like the, I, I like the idea of those things like owning you, you know? I've always loved that in horror movies. And Poltergeist is really like so ahead of its time in that way because they're like, they got to, they got to it before there was too much technology, before the television was the thing. There were no, you know, cell phones, there were no iPhones people were walking around with. So when he pushes the TV out of the ho- hotel room, that's it. Now they're gonna like be able to play, like they'll have to like play cards, like play go fish with each other to entertain you know, to entertain themselves. So I I love that idea of like I'll sacrifice my entertainment because it's scaring my fucking family. Love that.
2: Yeah, they're good parents. I like
0: that. there's never a moment
2: there's never a moment where there's like you know dads you know cheating on mom or like drinking too much like he's like they're both like super devoted like we're gonna stop this thing and we're gonna get our daughter back like i I love that more than anything is the tight family unit that's that never wavers in this movie
1: Uh, paranormal horror films in the i have noticed as much as i'm not like i'm i'm really kind of tired out of it because the the wave we had thanks to things like you know uh conjuring and insidious and stuff to their credit paranormal horror films have some of the best family units i've seen in horror it's always like no we i think as they know it's like look the last thing if people want to watch in these type of films is a family just start to slowly get you know rip itself apart with all this crazy shit after and it just works better when they get stronger um together yeah um <clears throat> it just well, that, works better that way
2: that often becomes part of the story is like you know their love and their connection and their the power of their Belief is usually what ends up stopping whatever they're up against. Anyway, so yeah. you kind of need that sometimes. Yeah, you know. the
0: power power of love is, is the great greatest of all can conquer all evil. Like, yeah, it's like a, that's a tale we'll be seeing different you know versions of for for the rest of time.
2: The power of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep, <laughs> make
0: another man sing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Figure that was coming. Uh, all right this one is this next one's actually the most interesting to me the Phillips humor Hoffman award very curious to see see where you guys go with this because I don't think there is a like crazy standout like all-time iconic performance but I think everybody's got good it's like it's like quality stuff
1: here so uh Caleb what who, who won the movie for you well awesome I'm gonna challenge you on that all-time iconic performance because I would argue there is an iconic performance in this movie. And I had it in mind the moment I hit play. And that is Zelda motherfucking Rubenstein. Okay. Okay.
0: I can, that, I can get down with that, She's
1: that short little lady commands the screen. The moment yes, she does she comes on it yeah. and takes it from like people like Craig T. Nelson, like established actors that people know again, playing. to so like, Hey, go see a film with actors, you know, and not horror films. Um mm. and she just comes in and upstages everyone just completely takes the screen and goes, This is my movie now. You're in my world. I got this. And she is great. I fucking adore her in this movie so much. Um, she is to me the template that they've used since then for all oh, let's get the psychic in to help. Yeah, you know, the family out. They they look at her as a template, she is phenomenal from beginning scene to end scene even that little like this house is clean
0: yeah so So the
1: way she says it is it's great i yeah no she to me is absolutely iconic and i adore her in this movie oh yeah okay i could dig that
0: i'm cool with it connor you feel the same way yeah she's great she's a commanding presence
2: and i love that you know she's a short lady who is there to you know not exactly intimidating, but you get this vibe of like she has seen some shit. She understands the power of what this thing is more than anybody. And you also just let her work. She knows what she's doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. especially when she's telling Karen, come to the light. And I think it was like Craig said, You guys said not to come to the light. <laughs>
0: Yeah, doc, Dr. Lish is like uh, Beatrice Straight. She's she's really good in this movie too. She's like, it's okay, come to light. I changed my <laughs> mind. <laughs> yeah, that's such that's such a good scene. Like that, there. Were, everybody's in the same room, just like, holy fuck, what are we dealing with here? You know. I do. I wonder if you guys. There is one scene with Zelda that I kind of forgot about that I I don't like. Um, it's not anything she does. It's it's the writing, really. It's when she, like, makes a joke about going between her and the mom. And she's like, you've never done this before. And the mom's like, you've never done this before. She's like, you're right, you go. I was just like, I I was like, that was, like, really intense. And then all of a sudden they, like, put some comedy into it, which feels more Spielberg than Hooper. I feel like Hooper was like, no, let's fucking take this to the nth degree. And Spielberg's like, nah, man, like, we got, it's still gonna be funny. You know, and I don't like I don't like that bit because it took me out of it for a second. I was like so I was like sweating, and then I wasn't.
2: <laughs> See, to me though, that didn't register as a joke. That registered to me as quick thinking,
0: where she's like, you know what, you're
2: right. Neither of us have done this before, but Caroline is definitely going to respond to you more, so you should do it. And she thought that immediately, like, yeah, it should be you. Like that's what yeah, I, I don't I don't that know. I know. thought
0: the delivery yeah. was definitely like comedic. Like it was supposed to be a comedic tone. It didn't didn't land for me. It, it's this. Tough. Ha- this happens in these the, a lot of these like eighties, nineties horror movies where there's like oh like there has to be a you know you gotta like let you gotta let your 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 audience like get a laugh every now and again or whatever. And
1: I just I, I don't know. For me, I wasn't feeling it, but maybe you're right. I I didn't I didn't read it as a joke either, but it would it, I mean I can see it, and it is tough because you know obviously Spielberg is no especially in the eighties was making lots of like blockbuster family type stuff. And Hooper, yeah, he could go obviously thanks to things like Texas Massacre, he goes there, but at the same t- token, he was known to put black humor into his movies. Um, obviously TCM2 is much more humorous in response to him being like, I guess people just didn't get my dark comedy in the first film. So he mm. just says, Fuck it. I'm gonna go all humor. Um, so he you know, he had a funny bone. He was if you ever watch him interviews, he was trying shit. Like, yeah, he- he said a joke and kept going, and it took you a minute to go like, "Oh shit, he just said a joke," and yeah, then you would yeah. laugh. So I can see, I I could see both of them. If they were trying to be humorous, it could be either one of them, depending. I would say it probably registers more as a Spielberg joke, not necessarily a huper type of comedy. I think his would be a lot more dark, or like it would take you a minute to catch the humor that just happened there.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's 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 a good point. I like that.
1: It's just, I don't know. It was
0: just a scene where I was like, I don't know, it just took me out of it for a second. I mean, not for very long. I Still, fucking love this movie. <laughs> you know, uh, there's just it, when that's like my only nitpick. You know, you know, you you probably made a good movie. But uh, wait, so okay, so you said Zelda, Caleb, Connor. Who'd you say? You didn't say anybody yet. Not yet. Um, it's
2: not me, Zelda. It's not Zelda. No. Um, okay. To me, okay. this one, this, this 100% goes to Joe Beth Williams, the
0: mother. Okay
1: yeah okay interesting i don't hear that one often okay
2: okay uh diane is the anchor of this family and i love the way her like interest in this whole thing goes from like look what the like look what the chair can do to absolute pain and anguish at the thought of possibly losing her daughter to this thing and i think joe beth williams plays that whole spectrum of emotions so well in this movie and just towards the end, when Zelda Rubinstein's telling her, like, it needs you know, you go into the light, find your daughter. And she's just like, she kind of still, like, can't believe this is happening. But she's very much, you know, in tears. Like, I have to save my daughter, regardless of what else is going on here. That is all that matters. And you just read that off of her face without having to say it. And that's powerful fucking acting. So I, I wanted to give this to Jo Beth Williams.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. She's also in a lot of the movie Definitely is not a supporting uh, actor in this. She's definitely she probably has the most screen time overall. She's she's very very involved and I just dig her too. You know, Diane's just got something kind of foxy about her. You know, there's something kind of just just cool about Diane. You know, when when she's like smoking the joint bed and she's like I don't know, like she's just seems she seems more unique than most most mothers. You know, she's a hot pot smoking '80s
2: mom who loves her fucking kids.
1: Yes, yes. we We say agree in such that thought because I was thinking I usually oh, think that's when I a, watch the yes. movie. I'm like, God, gee is hot. Yeah. You're not yeah. one there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that I think that's uh definitely uh we
0: have a mutual agreement on Joe Beth Williams is is quite attractive in and poltergeist. Um well, we all three have different people here. I like that. That's good. I think that's good for the PSH to be uh passed around to different people. Caleb you went with Zelda. Uh, Connor, you went with uh, Joe Beth. I'm going with Heather O'Rourke, the, the child. Um, I, was, I was wondering if someone was going to say the ch- uh, Heather O'Rourke. She was yeah, like, I mean like she's one. she's fucking like nine years old, you know. And, and, and if that, I know she died when she was like 12 or something. And um, I, I like read a little bit about that. Uh, she, she's seven in this movie. Seven, like good fucking god, you know. She's not in it a ton because she's you know gone in the in the television. Uh, but at the beginning of the movie, and she just has this like iconic look to her. While she's not, you know, she's she's like a little child, so she's not totally aware of what she's doing. There's something kind of amazing about that, and I would have loved to see what else she would have done had she not passed away uh, at such a, such a young age. It's like really, really extremely tragic, and uh, man, she's at the beginning of the movie. Some of the stuff she's doing, you know, when she's you know. Talking to the TV, you know, the, they're here. You know, those things that those things are like incredible, and I can't believe someone that young could, could 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 pull that stuff off. And every time I watch this movie, I she's kind of who I see as representing the movie, and uh, I've got to give it to her for that. Uh, she's she's like a more of a supporting uh, role in this, just like Zelda Rubenstein, but. Um, she's very effective, and uh, what what I love about this movie is I, I I see all of us having an argument here. I also see an argument for Craig Teen Nelson because he's so funny in it too. Like he's doing a lot of different tones in his performance. Uh, I I just think this is a really good cast, underrated. Yeah, one hundred percent. I
1: no, go ahead. I was gonna say if you want to look more into the the Heather, Heather work thing, there's a there's a show on Shuttercard Cursed Films. Um, season one talks about poltergeist because uh, a lot of people claim, you know, add her death to the the curse that surrounds this film. Yeah, all the tragedy that happened. Um, I think I want to say the lady that played the the daughter. Yeah, uh, I think was killed. Dominique Dunn, know. her
2: um, younger sister of uh, Griffin Dunn. Uh, yeah, murdered by her boyfriend.
1: Yeah, she was like murdered by her boyfriend. worked died from a, a disease, I believe. It, uh, she got sick with something. It was, yeah, an undiagnosed uh, colon situation that was mm-hmm.
2: discovered too late. She passed, uh, I think, during surgery.
1: Yeah, so there's oh, a yeah. lot. That that film, that episode, you know, each episode is a different movie. Um, The guys one digs into that and digs into a lot of that stuff. So if you want to know more, uh, you know, this goes for you, Austin, Connor. Yeah. Listening. Check that out. Um, It's pretty cool. And, and honestly, check out the show. There's a lot of cool stuff. They dig into like first season talks about a lot of the bigger films. We know second season finally goes a little bit more different. Um, But first season comes with all your big well-known ones, Poor guys being one of them. Um, okay. But yeah, Heather will work like, you know, you know, yeah. her. You know, unfortunately, her time was cut short, but she is, like I said, she was honestly, I was a big between her and Zelda Rubenstein. She for seven is probably one of the better child actors I've seen on screen. She is great. Yeah. Time that she yeah. is in this film you know obviously she has one of the most the most iconic line from it with the there here uh line she says it so perfectly you know you see why it's so that particular line to the test of time um and even when she's on screen you just hear her voice she's still really good you you know it's yeah. not like this phony adr bullshit performance you still feel her in the movie um so yeah i 100% support heather work as a as a pick
0: yeah, I I even think uh, Oliver Oliver Robbins, the kid who plays Robbie, is also really fucking good. And it's crazy that they got these kids to do this. Spielberg is so good at working with or like fine It seems like he was kind of you know doing pulling those strings as far as like who's going to be in this movie, and he would, he just like knew where to find like like talent at a young age and and get them to do things that. I couldn't even fathom at seven, seven years old, eight, nine years old, you know. So yeah, great shit. I, I love I love the Phillips more Hoffman Award because it has the opportunity to do stuff like this for like we all we all think something different or have a different opinion, and that's great. So uh last last award here, the Deacons, the Roger Deacons Award for the best scene of the movie. Uh good luck, Caleb. Take it away.
1: So I had a lot written down, a lot of great stuff. <laughs> uh one of some, the ones I did some, some I didn't pick some
0: nominees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the ones I did probably didn't pick is uh the when he starts ripping his face off. It's just I it's obviously a fucking a puppet, like you can tell, but it's still just a gnarly scene. And the fact that this is a PG movie and they got away with that. I mean, I know this movie is one of the reasons they had to implement a new rating, but still it's PG and that's in it. It's like holy shit. Um, but for me. The scene I did ultimately pick, and I'll I'll explain why, is actually the whole climax with the ghost essentially taking the revenge on the house and the parts of the neighborhood and just that whole chaotic mess. And the reason I picked that is because what Toby Huber's always been so good at, and you can trace it back to, again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that man knows how to film organized chaos. Mm. I don't know how. He has a magic touch with it. You know, obviously, the dinner scene in TCM, it's just a chaos that keeps building and building and building until it just explodes. Same with this. He, it's like, and this is actually, I would point this to people like, oh, Hubert, I'm like, watch this climax and then watch TCM's climax and tell me it's not the same director. I'm like, Hmm. this is a case of chaos that is building and building and building you know you get obviously this is where get, I get my you know my um my line from it, it happens in this scene until finally the house gets pulled underneath the ground explodes all this crazy shit happens everyone's just watching it happen and then we get obviously that you know scene with the walking and it's the calm you know they're kind of just going over what just happened but just the chaos that happens in this scene is just pure. On trade, hundred percent. Toby Huber just working that fucking magic.
0: Yeah, God, I, I love that scene. That's such a good way of putting it. Is you know, organized chaos that you, you f- yeah, you feel like you're in the hands of someone who just is having so much fun, and that's 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 exactly what to- Toby's doing right there. And and it, and it's it comes at such a cool time because like if if you're if you're watching Poltergeist for the first time, you're like, oh, the movie's over, you know, but. They got, they got, they got the, they got Carol Ann out and everything's going to be okay. So that, that like last kind of one more, one more little, 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 you know, it's not little, it's, it's massive. It's, it's where all the money for this movie, that's where the budget went was for that last 10 minutes. And I, I love it. I thought it was brilliant. My favorite bit from the whole thing is when the the two younger kids are hanging on. To, like, the bed, and they're, like, about to be dragged into, like, a portal of hell you know, like, it's such a brilliant crazy scene, and, 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 you know, the mom Joe Beth is like, grab my hand, you know, I can't reach, like, it's such a fucking amazing chunk of the movie, so, yeah, that, there's nothing, no arguing that pick
1: my, my favorite moment is actually with the skeletons, mainly just yeah. the real skeletons but, that part's just like I'm like, Jesus Christ, when they're just popping out of the ground, oh
0: yeah, so good
1: <laughs> I and love it to me
2: it's it's how that scene starts where you realize that everything's not okay and that's when the boy wakes up and the fucking clown is gone
0: <laughs> oh yeah the iconic yeah iconic scene
2: just knowing like oh shit like nothing's yeah. fixed they're about to go through hell again it's yeah great start to a great scene
1: yeah and yeah, know, but... right sorry I was gonna say you're right it's like Cooper had a budget this time so he went I want to do yeah. right with my first film but way bigger, because I got money now, yeah, yeah,
0: this movie this movie costs like twenty twenty million dollars, it's like, well yeah I, I see where I see exactly where it went like I'd love to have been a part of the the crew for this movie that's building all these just amazing amazing things for that scene, and just had to be so much fun to be a part of, yeah, real corpses aren't cheap, yeah, no, no, and uh I wonder what that like that like portal was made of you know it was like well like what kind of arts and crafts were going were going on on the set of that movie you know
2: well
0: considering you know this
2: is pre-cgi it was probably just like a big light bulb in a wind tunnel like it was probably nothing which is
0: even crazier <laughs> i love i love all the colors in that you know like the reds and the oranges and the yellows it's like it's like is there is there like just construction paper up in there <laughs> like let's what's going on <laughs> it's so brilliant but it, it works 40 years later i still am enamored by that scene so good good pick caleb connor what'd you go with mine is a lot more subtle because to me what what
2: scares me in horror movies uh, these days isn't so much like the reveal of the monster like the crazy shit going on the little things that just clue you in that something isn't right and i i do like it never fails that like you know i get fucking goosebumps the hair on my neck stands up every single time that joe beth williams leaves the dining room comes back briefly and the chairs are all stacked up on the table
0: <laughs> so that good
2: scares the absolute hell out of me every single time it's one of the most brilliant moments in horror history it's so subtle it's you know who put all these chairs out i told you not to do that and then she turns around for not even five, like two seconds she comes back it's all stacked Like, how did they pull that off
0: some powerful yeah. ghosts.
2: Yeah, but like I'm talking like production. Like, how did how and were they, they able filmed, to do that so quickly?
1: They filmed it for longer than two seconds and then just edit it down, probably. It was a yeah, very I mean, good I,
2: edit. You can't see the, the cut. Like it was a very good edit.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it has to be. That's all it can be, unless unless real so ghosts like, were working on the movie.
2: I always picture like somebody I don't know why I picture Tom Savini. I just do. It's like she turns away, he like pulls the chairs, he puts like and like a sculpture of all the chairs, like up on the table, and then runs away. <laughs> that's what I always picture. <laughs> Probably not what happened, but that's that's what I see.
1: That's great. Like <laughs> can you just assume Tom Savini just did every horror film in the eighties. <laughs> yeah,
2: whenever do. I imagine the production of this, I I see Tom Savini. I don't know why. It's just the I don't the know because
1: he's all his effects are known to be of the gore variety.
2: I know. I can I, like I tell you I can't explain why I I don't know I know he had nothing to do with
1: this movie but just, my subconscious doesn't
2: have you thought that since you were like younger yeah every time I watch this movie I'm I just picture like ah, like like a snidely whiplash style like scene where he's like ah running away
0: that's fucking amazing I love that just been with you forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 also chose kind of a subtle, subtle moment that also scares the living shit out of me every time. And it's, it's, but it's, but it's one of those like um, rub your hands type moments where you are like, oh boy, you know, here we go. Let's fucking let's get down, you know. Let's let let, let, let the games begin. And it's when um, Carol Ann first goes missing, and they're all looking for her, you know, Carol Ann, and then finally you hear. Mommy <laughs> through the tv and that that initial like calling out to her mom and like i can't see you i can't hear you don't you know all those things what a fucking nightmare you know um i have a daughter who's three and movies like this fuck with me whenever anytime there's like a young girl who like like something horrible happens you know i'm just like oh god like this is this would just be an absolute fucking nightmare and you know this is to me that's joe beth's best 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 shit you know in this is when she's kind of reacting to like that initial um trauma that she's going through of my, my daughter's not with me she's not in my arms she's somewhere else and it can't be good, you know, and, and she's acting her ass off in those moments. And that's uh, so when the family is like, all right, we got like we're about to go into like some kind of battle that we don't know what's what. While at the same time we have a, you know, teenage daughter and then another younger son, and we're about to battle some fucking some demons and ghosts, you know. And I've always been obsessed with that turning point, uh, where she, she you know, it's not it's not funny anymore. You know, it's not like look at this thing move look at look at carol Ann go across the kitchen floor it's like this this is fucking scary and i love a good i love a good turning point in a horror movie especially when it gets real you know and it gets it gets real right there i've always been obsessed with the with the mommy you know the prolonged mommy you know i've always thought it's just like a perfect touch that had to happen and ah you know this movie has so many moments so many golden moments um that you could choose, uh, and I I, I, lo- I love that there's little kind of subtle family moments, and there's also big production, beautiful, horrific moments, uh, and you know that's that's why Poltergeist is what it is today, still a classic.
2: It's been so neat to see your opinion on certain films change as you became a father. it's, yeah. it's <laughs> cool to to see that kind of because I remember like you know when we did Poltergeist the first time. Uh, I don't think Willow had, had had happened yet. Like she wasn't here yet. Probably not. Yeah. And yeah, I I I I want to go back and listen to that to see like what did you talk about then?
1: <laughs> like, like how you word that Willow had not happened yet. Like, yeah, like an interesting way to word someone not having that was
2: yet. that was not in, nothing.
0: Yeah, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I know. I I I thought. I think it's hilarious. Willow had not happened. She she had not come forth from the heavens. <laughs> it's, just,
2: it's, just, it's just something I've noticed through film, and Oscar Sunday is like. Oh yeah, growth as a film fan and as a person is so, like, easy to chart with these shows. It's 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 really cool to me.
0: Yeah, I once I was a boy, and and, and now I'm a now I'm an older boy. <laughs> <laughs> Still just a boy. Uh, Real quick before before we get to the to the Academy like Awards, you just like I was just looking on IMDb, looking at how many motherfuckers are credited for like visual effects. This is where the budget went. There's like 300 motherfuckers on on, on the crew here just for visual effects. Gilbert, yeah, they have to know that climax. They had to And and if you're just here, if you're Ray Gilberti, second assistant cameraman. Like, how much money are you getting paid you know are you like like what's your cut from this movie it depends on the union
1: <laughs> yeah, below, yeah. Below, below the line crew that's a whole different story
0: yeah i I wonder like what yeah i wonder what these these people took home from this movie because there's so many people just how, just involved
2: how much does you know how well does industrial light and magic pay in the 80s I'm yeah
0: curious. yeah exactly i'd love i'd love to know because they're there's so many people on the payroll here what chunk of the budget goes to that and then what what chunk goes to you know paying for paying for the the actual you know practical effects
2: VFX artists have always been incredibly underappreciated I mean just look at what you know Marvel's dealing with right now with their VFX guys finally saying like Jesus Christ give us a break
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and in and like the VF the VFX they call them VFX houses like the studios. Mm. they're they're like they're like too booked up because marvel's like running it down their fucking throat like jesus man well yeah, especially
2: but, these days is like every single movie is somehow yeah like cgi so like these guys are so fucking overworked it's not just disney that's going after them you know warner brothers deals with universal they all have is, these big budget monsters
1: is warner brothers going after visual effects guys right now do they maybe have... not right
2: now but in the in, in the past in the recent past right now they're probably not well, let's say do they
1: much. do they have a film slate going on right now <laughs> it's,
2: it's not like black adam wasn't incredibly you know taxing for the vfx guys
1: oh, yeah. so movie then, we then, know but... is
2: going to happen
1: i was
0: going to say yeah the one movie we know is happening that's true it was we do know Black Adam's coming, and, and, and Austin is not going to fucking see it.
1: <laughs> you, you don't tell The Rock his movie's canceled. That's really what the lesson is. Do not ever go to The Rock and be like, look, man, your movie's not happening, because he's going to give you that stare, that smolder.
2: I would never give somebody with arms that big bad news. That's just, yeah, that's a rule.
1: It's probably why that and Aquaman are still coming out, because I don't think anyone wants to tell Jason Momoa the same thing. They're like, eh, let's not tell him it's canceled.
2: We'll see what happens. Honestly, I don't I don't know what's going to happen cuz they're not playing by logic rules anymore.
1: No, yeah, I don't don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to lose the oldest movie company in history. But back to the visual effects guys. Um yeah, no, I'm sure like it yeah, that's why I am such a fan. I You know, you hear the argument a lot thinking about this visual effects thing, right? You know, CG versus practical blah blah blah. Whatever your movie dictates, you know, so like if it's better, if it's gonna look better, practical, do practical. If it's don't look better, do with you know, CG visual effects, aka the MCU films, go for it. It's probably gonna look better than them trying to you know, do whatever practical is for space. So, this, I film, saw Howard
2: the Duck, I know what
1: I know what happens, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Polterge- <laughs> but then you have films like this, like Poltergeist, that know how to use both, they're like, hey, how Correct. can you? Use- how can we use both? What's going to look better? Practical. What's going to look better? Um, You know, visual effects wise. And I think this one does a good job. Yes, I know you could probably watch it, especially now with like 4K. I think there is a 4K coming out of this, actually. Um, I can't remember. I think there is. Um, But, you know, when people are watching on the highest possible quality, you're going, to, it's, you're going to see it. Like I said, like the scene where he's ripping his face off, very obviously a dummy now. To me, does it take me away out of the film? Absolutely not. I still think it's a great scene. I when they open the door, and you see stuff flying. It's very clear the CGI background. You can kind of see it. You're like, okay, that's not. But again, it still works. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take me out.
2: The tree that eats the kid
0: still looks great. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. good.
0: Yeah, I yeah, real- dig this. Dig this movie so much because of those things.
1: The real skeletons look amazing. Yeah, yeah they yeah. look. They look. They look real. Why waste
2: money? You know. <laughs> developing you know realistic looking skeletons I and mean, you can just let nature take its course and you know get them fresh from the vine so to speak
0: it's so fucked up the that vine. they did that fresh from the vine this is a great man, i love that terminology it's good <laughs> oh, it is so
2: <laughs> disturbing that they actually did use real corpses in this movie but you know what are we going to do about that now
0: yeah truly uh <laughs> Oh Jesus. Uh all right, let's 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 finish this this bad boy off. Um 55th Academy Awards. Um my my computer's being weird and like won't let me pull up the normal Wikipedia page, so I'll let Connor kind of take over on this chunk. I know there's three categories. Um what is it? Special effects, visual or sound effects, editing? Uh I think so, and visual effects and score
2: score yeah
0: okay i yeah score is the yeah the one that it definitely deserves
2: all right where do you want to start i figure like visual effects yeah sure let's do it all right so the winner was et and the nominees were blade runner and poltergeist so interesting bunch of films there only three i mean looking at my list of films from 82 there could have been five (laughs) but uh yeah star Trek 2 anybody but uh (laughs) (laughs) These are the three we got, and I totally get why ET won, but it would have been really cool for poltergeist to take this one.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: That's what I'd be going, you know, going going to bat for, voting for, but I get it.
1: I must say this is a hard one because I can see all three why they got nominated for sure, like Blade Runner and Poltergeist and ET. And ET, I get why it won. I'd probably go poltergeist myself, but I get I get why ET won. I, I I understand, especially I mean, you get an, an it's an alien as your character that people have to believe is real for almost two hours. So I get it.
2: Yeah. Over two hours. That's actually quite a hefty film.
1: <laughs> E.T. I forgot it's over two hours. It's been a while since I've seen E.T. so
2: I watched it when we did Poltergeist the first time because ET was our like our first like weekly bonus thing we were doing.
0: Mm. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I loved when we did that. We did like connecting connecting movies. That was fun. That was that was cool. Um next
2: up we've got best sound effects editing. Why is this why are the sound categories always so fucking complex?
0: I don't I don't know. To like bore you, maybe? I
2: don't know. Like they're I don't know. Well, we've got another win for ET and then poltergeist was up against Das Boot.
0: Das Boot. Hell yeah. Boot. Love, yeah, I love that's getting in there. So cool.
2: I've, I've not yet seen Das Boot. I just, yeah. I I think I tried when I was like 13 or 14 and thought, what? This is not my, a German submarine movie? No, thank you. <laughs> so I, I gotta go, I gotta try again.
0: I'm in the Navy and haven't seen it, so. Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, Con- Connor, I feel like it is probably a movie you'd like now.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I've got an appreciation for Wolfgang Peterson now, so I gotta do that. There you um, go. Sound effects, I poltergeist, I think, is pretty ex- excellent at the way it develops the sound. You know, the creepy, oh yeah. Creepy noises the ghost, the reverberation from Carol Ann and the TV. Like yep. this this was another win for poltergeist, I think.
0: I, I agree.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say another win for poltergeist. Maybe I haven't seen DOS boot. I'm sure it has great sound based off the stream what I know about submarines because I know way too much about submarines now. Um but because of what I know about submarines and how sound works, I'm sure that thing is excellent. Then, if they are accurate to uh, how uh, the lifestyle is on a submarine, but yeah, Poltergeist, nice, yeah, Poltergeist could have done some real damage at
2: this this one. Uh, that takes us to best best original score again, and E. The- <laughs> T. beat it again. Uh, John Williams for E. T. took home this one. He was up against uh, Ravi Shankar and George Fenton for Gandhi. Jack Nietzsche for an officer and a gentleman, Jerry Goldsmith for Poltergeist, and Marvin Hamlish for Sophie's Choice. Gotta be, gotta be
0: Poltergeist <laughs> for score. Yeah, I love. John, of course, we all love John Williams, but got gotta go Jerry here.
1: Yeah, I've, I've only seen 18 and Poltergeist, so I am going to stick with Poltergeist. <laughs> I know, I John Williams is great. ET score is great, but poltergeist all the way again just because that juxtaposition thing. i am such a sucker for it hmm. i
2: agree i haven't seen these other three films either um but i'm gonna give the win to et okay uh, e. T. John, T. john 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 williams uh speaking to you i do love john williams and i i like the music for et i think is its strongest suit it's such a whimsical cool score from john williams it's instantly iconic as soon as you hear it you're like oh that's et yeah, and I think it takes a couple notes for you know me like, oh, that's Poltergeist.
0: I uh, do. That's, that's that's fair. That's a fair argument. That's like not as iconic, maybe, but once it gets clicking, oh boy, yeah.
2: I I love the score for Poltergeist.
0: But I do get why E. T. took this one. That's fair. That's fair. Now, Poltergeist should have been up for Best Picture. You know, should have been up for a hand, handful of other things. Let's be honest. So it's up for technical stuff and that's usually what happens with horror sci-fi you know movies like this and a, a complete genre film uh but it is cool that it got nominated that we could bring it over to this show it's been a while since we got to properly talk about it but we've we've referenced it many times uh throughout throughout film Gazm's, you know history here here on oscar sunday and and film so uh this is really cool to be able to do this and caleb I'm very glad you got to join because when we first did it you were you we were not available to be doing podcasts.
1: No, I was on on 11 month deployment when you guys did it the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really? So feels good. Feels good. Feels like we did it right this time.
1: Yeah, yeah, when we did it the
0: first time, we were a little cheeky. We were, uh we
1: we're pretty. Uh, firm. I, I, I I had a chance to download and listen, and you know, fuck both of you at that time. <laughs> I
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I have a picture of you just like listening to it, just like cringing like we're stabbing a voodoo doll of you
1: i i was i was cringing so i i remember i emailed josh i'm like dude i was like <laughs> and we were then, young you we know, didn't know we didn't know anything
0: i i don't i is it because of the hooper stuff the hooper spielberg stuff okay yeah i dude. yeah i was I, I was doing that on purpose so because i knew you were gonna listen to it you and josh were gonna be like fuck this guy <laughs>
1: y'all went in so hard i was just like god and then it didn't end it just kept going i'm like <laughs> i'm not a murder both of you it doesn't <laughs> stop anytime soon and then so started in the history of the, the podcast you know the what was once the beef of this splitting the the team but that has been scratched it's been resolved um Long yeah, this th- it was
0: it was this and it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, and I, I was very wrong about that one. Um, I love that, that movie. Um, think it's think it's like is just one of my favorite like goofy eighties crazy movies. Um, but but this this is you know I don't know I, I <laughs> it is an interesting conversation, but I have I think it was either you or Josh like through text message or something sent some kind of a link to read about the actual history of, you know, uh, of poltergeist and like who actually directed it. And it definitely, it definitely impacted me. Uh, that was a long time ago though. I can't really yeah. remember what, what exactly it was, but I remember it being like, okay, I see exactly what they're saying, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, it was fun to, you know, grind some gears, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel
2: like, yeah. I feel like that was Josh. Cause I know Caleb will just bust my balls endlessly about it, but Josh oh, yeah. will actively try to correct that mistake.
1: Yes, yes, he will. Yes, he will.
0: Yeah, Josh has sent me a few things that I've like been pretty enamored by, like just like really, really good writing uh, on things that I that I'm interested in. He sent me one time something about um, this is again like a couple years ago. It was it was like these letters that were written by Francois Truffaut, and they were like so captivating. And now Connor and I have covered a Truffaut movie on this podcast, and so I miss Josh. Can't wait for him to be back be be back in the back in the mix for for episodes.
1: Yeah. It'll, it'll be nice. Um it was nice being on this one now that we're all on the same page. Um then have to we just could all enjoy the movie and talk about it. That's not... the that's the main thing is to
0: just poltergeist kicks ass. That's what we can all agree on. That's what everybody can agree on. Um Connor, I don't have it up with me. What are we what are we doing on FilmGasm on Wednesday?
2: On Wednesday, in honor of the new Jeepers Creepers, uh, we are tackling the second film in the franchise, Jeepers Creepers 2, which is about a bunch of idiot high schoolers trapped in a cornfield with the Creeper and a crazy farmer being like, I'm going to hunt that motherfucker. So it's going to be a fun movie. Going to see Ray Weiss, kids, be unhinged as shit. I Can't wait. Um,
1: yeah, that'll be a blast.
0: Good, good, good. And uh, Caleb, Beyond the Bad, Friday, what's going uh, what's really? on there?
1: we are doing the Joel instructed action here, uh, Everly. This will be a film that I will actually be defending. Uh, I got pretty bad critical reviews, but it's, uh, I find to be just a fun movie. It starts on a hike. She, it's like a hit gone wrong. She holds up in this apartment and it all takes place in this one apartment, the entire thing. Nice. And the are sending waves of goons to try to kill her and take her out for this, this hit gone wrong. Um, A lot of fun, very stylish. I I enjoy it, but again, it's on there because of the critical reception. Josh was actually, pops up again, he actually showed me this film um, because he was a big fan of it and then I I fell in love with it myself. Thankfully, I looked ahead. It's not going to be so heavy on (laughs) development hell. After two weeks of having some pretty lengthy development hell episodes, I'm getting a thankful break on that end. Nice,
0: good, good. That's cool. I'll
1: definitely try. Is that is that available to stream anywhere? I'd like to
0: check that out. And... I
1: yeah. want to say yes, but I'm looking it up right now as I'm answering you. I yeah,
0: got gotcha. you. No, no, oh, here we go.
1: Uh, Everly is on Pluto. If you
2: got that, it's free on Vudu. It's free on Prime. Oh, so that yeah. doesn't bode well. But you know what? I'll wait till I see the movie
1: that's great that
0: that it's on a bunch of shit
1: yeah yeah claims it's on shutter if you have a subscription
0: yeah i haven't been on shutter in a long fucking time i i i uh, i I always feel like i'm missing a lot of stuff on there you know just random originals and whatnot and uh just it's just too many goddamn streaming services now and i feel like i miss so much stuff Shuddered,
2: they just started their 101 Scariest Movie Moments of All Time eight-part that's series. Right. That's They're right. They're dropping every Wednesday. So if you want to get caught up on a shit ton of movies at once,
0: that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I definitely want I definitely want to watch that.
1: First episode was really good. And actually, speaking of which, I saw on Twitter. So someone had asked them, hey, these films you're showing for that countdown, is there any way you could make a category on, on Shudder so we can just find the movies easily if you want to watch? and craig engler he's like the one that oversees the whole thing go respond to it and went interesting and then went at samuel uh zimmer or uh, whatever the guy who curates stuff for them so he immediately shot him as in like hey that's cool we were actually thinking about that you might see a collection you know a category of movies that we featured on this tv show that is
2: awesome so nice like
1: quick easy like oh hey that's cool me check this one out and then i don't want to name the movies yet because i don't want to spoil but like oh cool they have that maybe let me i haven't seen it. let me check it out and you just go to that little tab and there it is
0: that's dope i like that a lot yeah. oh god i love movies um let's see so we got film guys and beyond the bad next on this show next week we got a pretty big episode uh best picture showdown on uh gladiator in 2000 uh it beat Chocolat, traffic uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and uh, fuck, what's the last one, Connor? Uh, Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. That's right. That's right. Yes, yeah, it's such a really interesting group. You got you got a couple uh, Steven Soderberg movies. You got Mister Mister Ridley Scott there. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to dive into 2000. I haven't seen Gladiator in a while. This used to be like my favorite movie as a kid. Um, um yeah, I'm super super pumped for that. It's gonna be great. Uh, follow us on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Filmgasm, and uh, check out our website, Filmgasm.com. We've got some reviews, We've got good episodes coming out every week. We're having a lot of fun just diving into all kinds of shit. So stick with us, and we'll we'll see you guys on Wednesday.